0: doing? Oh my gosh, you got a voice for radio, <laughs> uh, Matt Lautner coming to you live on a Tuesday afternoon, uh, joined by two gentlemen from the Charlet breed from the state of Nebraska and the state of Washington, Mr. Kerry Clift and Mr. Mitch Bennis, tell the audience about yourself. Welcome to the big show podcast boys.
1: Kerry Clift live in uh, Ellensburg, Washington, which is right in the center, of the state, beautiful Pacific Northwest. Been in the cattle business all my life. My grandfather had Hereford cattle, about fifteen hundred head of them back in the fifties, and and then my dad ran commercial cows and ran Charley bulls, and that's so where we got started in the Charley breed, and we have a bull sale coming up February 18th and do uh, some online stuff. My daughter has been uh, playing in the clubby deal a little bit, but my day job is uh, I run a fertilizer, chemical, and seed business.
0: My personal interaction with your family would be, two or three years ago, Cora reached out and uh, we sold a a Hawkeye steer out of a Dakota Gold cow. That you guys raised out there in Washington State. Long story short, the steer... Stayed around forever. Springborn calf ended up showing as a two year old the 2022 Oklahoma Youth Expo, and he was knocking on the door of winning the show. He ended up being reserve grand heavyweight. I believe the champion came out of his division, the reserve came out of the middleweight. So he was in there for reserve overall, but uh, didn't quite That's work awesome. out. Heck of a calf. My boy Justin Tibbetts from Wisconsin, who bought the steer for me and ended up getting him down to bottom, always the true believer in that calf and he was right it took a little longer to peak than i ever would have thought so anyhow
1: well so, uh, sometimes that happens you know in the, the last 12 hours we've had two hawkeye calves born here so a silver looking one and then we got a butterscotch that looks quite a bit like his dad that's so, of course got a couple more hawkeyes pumping out really good bull
0: you are from the state of washington I'm hearing just a hint of a Canadian accent to you. Are you ever been up, to, <laughs> up there to Canada there
2: or not?
1: <laughs> well, I don't think so. Well, I, yeah, I, I've been up there a couple times, but uh I know we've been talking to quite a few of them on our podcast lately so
2: yeah, I'm Mitch Benish, Valparaiso, Nebraska, I've kind of run under the name of Benish Cattle Company for quite a few years, predominantly Charolais. We've been in the Charolais breed for 54 consecutive years. We've kind of evolved from pretty much seed stock um, Charolais producers to kind of broaden our horizons here lately. The last six or seven years kind of dabbling in the uh, clubby deal and, and um, both the seed stock Productions. myself and uh, my son are involved in the day-to-day operations now and all three of my kids own some cows Uh, we have a couple online uh, club calf sales in the fall and then Mm -hmm. we dabble in a few production expo type sales have some stuff coming up here in carney at the cattleman's classic fourth week week in February this year. And then, uh, we do some private treaty bull sales here at the farm. So farm and have cows. That's my rotation. So if one isn't, uh, busy, the other one surely is, uh, y'all also
0: have your own podcast. Can you give that a shout out and just review maybe what you
1: guys visit about? So the podcast is called Charlie Chatter, kind of built to help promote the charlie breed, but We've uh, kind of expanded to just help the cattlemen and farmers in general. Me being in Washington, way out in way out west, per se, I wanted somebody, you know, closer to Midwest that had a little bit of uh, Charley knowledge and personality to go with it. You know, that and that uh, narrowed down real quick on the, being able to speak and talk, but you know, within the Charley <laughs> breeders, so most of them are kind of introverts. Uh, give them some insights on what the crazy world we're living in on the fertilizer and chemical side and then uh talking about charlotte cattle and what they can do we you know we've even had uh, ryan rash on as a guest we've had a alfalfa seed guy we had a a pbr stock contractor of the year that markets thousands and thousands of head of cattle out of north dakota so we've we've had some really good fun guests and so it's gonna but it's all built around a a charlotte world but it we all cross over you know obviously what. As mentioned earlier, uh, my daughter has Charlotte cows, but she breeds them to clubby bulls. So we're making these little, you know, smokies, I guess you'd say. And so our our listeners are pretty much Charlotte-based, but I think, I think we're getting a lot of farmers and other breeders starting to listen to it, too.
2: We were able to get my Uncle Myron Vanish on um, this summer before he passed away. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, he's sick. And I'm like, I got a lot of messages after he passed away. What happened to him? And I'm like, he had cancer for a while, and they're like, oh, geez, we didn't know that. But uh, he got on there, and man, that was that was a highlight of his month there for a while. And it was. Uh, even just the results, like uh, you know, we've been doing some of the bigger show results for the Charlotte World. I uh, I logged into Fort Worth, and I wanted to watch the uh, Charlotte show, and I could not find it at all online. So we ended up finding somebody down there to live stream on our uh, Facebook page at least the finals of both mm-hmm. bulls and the heifers we've been doing a little bit of that kind of stuff too so anything we can do to kind of promote we we got a lot of
1: you know 20 different countries that are listening but can, uh, we have a lot of canadian listeners in the char- Charlotte world and uh we have a have an episode coming on with a young man up there tub supplement so we are hitting the, the canada not just the us uh, listeners so the canadian listeners are really tapped into what we got going on. So if we talk about their products or their programs, it uh, seems to be hitting pretty pretty good in the Canadian area.
0: Just from the outside looking in, I don't know a whole lot about the Charlet deal. I've got a bull called Gunsmoke that we've had a lot of success with accidentally mm-hmm. at, over the last 10 years. You're going to have to fill me in on the background story, but wasn't there a bull that sold for a big old pile of money in Denver this year that's maybe out of a bloodline that's 10 or 12 years old or something like that? Could you fill us in on the... And maybe he won sure. Canadian agribition as well.
1: He did. It's uh, a bull called Mayfield. He's actually sired by CCC uh, Resource. Even though he came from Canada, one aggravation and one Denver, he is three-quarter U.S. bred and, and blood by blood. So the dam's dam is Canadian, and the rest is, is U.S., uh, going back to some Jim Dismukes on the dam side, some old hoodoo blood. Uh, so Sariancos owned him, and B.J. Hansen kind of put the deal together. Uh, along with Thomas's, to buy them, they bought U.S. breeding rights, traveling rights, and then semen rights. And then they sold 200 units at the embryos of the snow sale. Yeah, and, 200 and units sold.
2: brought 120,000, which equated to seven hundred dollars a straw.
1: Right. And then
2: night before last, it was the Ace's Wild. Is that right? Bought bought those. Yeah. You, he swept. The, he they, swept all 200 lots. They stunned the crowd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then he resold some on CCI Live the other night. You, Mitch, you were watching it. Were they 13 to 1700 bucks a unit? Does that sound about right?
2: Um, uh, there was none sold for 13, 15, 16, all the way up to maybe the first you brought 2800. Oh wow! And they were selling them like two at a shot. You know, the bloodlines are uh, fairly old, but the people in the Charley breed that are going to use them don't know the bloodlines. And I, I, I guess I wouldn't say that they're in the breed. I think it's people that own a couple of Charlet cows. <clears throat> They've probably never heard of the bloodlines, you know. For them, they might think it's new. It's been around, uh, you know, in the purebred sector of things. Sometimes that breeding sticks around a lot longer, and I think in the Charlet world, bulls don't get hot till they're about five years old, and I could say that that's probably accurate for some of the other breeds, too. Yeah. You know, the Semental is the bankroll bull. I mean, he's just getting hotter and hotter every day. I don't know how old he is. He's got to be five or six or so, and maybe even older. To me, 10 years old is probably old <laughs> enough. It's nothing, you know, and it's not a rare, you know. It's not a a main bull that maybe died at three years old or something that wasn't replicated or you know till till recently or you know anything like that. It's you know I can say for that bull. For his uh, big, big old bull that he is, he was sure, sure, super sound. The he he weighed, there.
1: what, 2,600 up in agribition, I think, when they weigh him. So
2: he had some pounds under him. I would say he was pushing closer to three at Denver. Clint Rusk said that they weigh them pretty much off the trailer when they get there. So yeah, um, yep, he could have been 27-plus yeah. there. And not a large frame bull either. He'll, he'll have his use, I think. It's just uh, I, I used his sire eight years ago or seven years ago. I don't know what it was. I probably won't, you know, go backwards, I guess. Well, and I have a son
1: of a sire. I have a son called Cheetah right now that we're using a resource, and I think Mitch said it a little older genetics, but uh, you don't really know how good a bull is until their daughters start producing. You know, that's where I was looking at, and that's in that third to you know, three to five year range and these resource daughters were pumping up the, the kind of cattle that I liked and like and then this cheetah bull kinda of came along and he was the kind of a bull I liked, so bought him two years ago. So I am guilty for our main herd bull is a, out of the same sire as this Mayfield bull uh resource. So and uh, we really, really, really like the calves. But you didn't get fifteen hundred dollars
2: a unit. <laughs> I'm 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 willing to sell it to you.
1: You know, Mitch I'd give you a discount. <laughs> I sell it to you for fourteen fifty right now.
2: I think it's all uh it'll work out for for some people I was just surprised. I actually tuned in thinking, Okay, a national champion bowl, if I could get some get a couple of units bought for two to three hundred but then when I did the math as I was logging into the sale, I'm like that oh. is. Crap, there. He brought 700. Dane looking to get 200. That'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Like what a, do you
0: think the future of the Charlotte
1: breed is? I think it's gotten better and better. I, I truly feel where we live, we're kind of behind in the sense of where you live, Matt. You think about what Charlotte Cross cattle were doing in the big shows in Texas here what 18 years ago that's when you start seeing them winning that slick deal and it took a while out here because everything was black that was winning but now uh, when my daughter first started showing smokies at the local fair we had a a guy tell her that was on the fair board that he she would never win with a charlotte cross calf and uh, well three years three years later she did and then did it again the charlie breed has done very well in the crossbreeding program part of the reason we started the podcast was get the old adage of big frame big birth weight that the breed was kind of noted for 15 20 years ago there's still people out there that think that charlies are a little on the wild side but that's that's not the case anymore and that's where we want to educate them and let them know that hey we got medium frame cattle fast growing and they work well on any cross-breeding program. You know, put them on Angus cows. But then further in the clubby deal, and you're probably seeing us, Matt, a little bit of silver or butterscotch uh, in the show ring is uh, doing pretty well right now. Good things are happening. Uh, we got a really good guy that's a Clint Rusk and... then it's a uh, mover shaker in our Charley Association that's going to push some of these packers, maybe on a branded product similar to what the Angus groups did. I think there's good things to come. And obviously, right now, with first time in 61 years, we're at a world low or a U.S. low in cow numbers. So things are going to be getting crazy on the fat cattle side here in the next two years. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to make money. And, and that's you put uh, hybrid vigor on a group of Angus cows with charlie bulls. Uh, there's, there's money back in your pocket.
2: Um, I'm starting to see a lot of the club calf guys or, you know, other crossover breeds showing Charlet heifers, as I think that's probably going to stay pretty solid for a few years. Some of these uh, fake news calves that I've been getting, the quarter Charlet cows that are what I'd call my re cows, some of them, they're raising knockout heifers out of fake news. You know what that bull is. He, he stamps them. Awesome for me, but them quarter bloods are what's really, I don't know what it is about it, but I think a lot of these guys dragging some of these pretty good heifers that are notorious in the club calf breed or keys, mains, whatever it may be, I think they're going to see probably their biggest return on maybe them half-blood heifers or composite charlays. You know, I didn't always say that. I always used to say, why are people spending so much money on composite Charlie heifers when... You can't register them. Well, in the end, it really don't matter if they're registered or not. Um, a steer's going to bring good money if he's good, you know. Same with the heifer or market heifer or whatever it may be. That quarter shot in there or or even, you know, we've had really good luck with some three-quarter Charlet cows producing well. The maternal side of them has gotten way, way, way better. You know, we were a terminal breed. We still are. Our maternal in the Charlet breed has gotten Really, really strong. I think that's what's gonna kinda power us through. Okay. So I like
0: uh history quite a bit over the course of y'all's career in the Charlet deal. What has been the most influential one or two bulls and what has been the most influential one or two cows that have changed the breed over the course of your career?
1: That's a good that's a good question. Probably about eight years ago, seven years ago. We needed a bull that wasn't related to anybody, which is really hard to find because you got Link, Scott, Theo, Blood, and I think Mitch and I both have that in there. Uh, we had bought a bull called M6, the Force. Bought him out of Alvarado, Texas from the M6 Ranch. Complete outcross to anything that we had in our program. Uh, he was full genetic brother to bells and whistles in his time. Very highly used in the AI world. A couple hundred thousand dollars plus those first couple years of uh semen sales on him. And so we bought a full brother to him. And so he he really upped our program. We got a lot of daughters out of him. People always said, you know, you can't take Texas hot country cattle and bring them up into our northern area. area. And I uh, completely disagree because he worked just fine and cows out of him have been working great probably one of our most influential bull that we've used i'm really excited to see what this ccc cheatable that we have right now i'm really liking the calves out of him that are out of Force daughter so he could be that next generation of gen that's uh, going to work for us but then you got to find something to breed breed those daughters daughters to. I always like seeing what the eels are doing in their bloodlines. really good program, Coding Rump, obviously, and rights. But they all kind of somehow go back to the old blood and all those programs. This resource line, you know, even he is, what, 18 years old. I think you get into those daughters and granddaughters and <clears throat> and our grandsons. That's when we're really going to see start stuff start shaking loose there.
2: Yeah, I would say for me, um, I think the most influential bulls, Number one for me would have been firewater. Um, just for the show side, I heard people tell me when I bring a bull to a, you know, the Cataman's Classic and it was fired by Firewater., ah, I just can't sell them bulls. Well, my customers love them. We have a firewater son that we've ran for eight years. Tons and tons of heifers out of him. Tons and tons of bulls. I mean, I got a bull in the bullpen right now, a young bull that you know, my son said the other day, what's that bull standing there? Well, it's BCR Paramount. Just enough style for me um, in the most recent years. And I say recent because he's about 15 or I don't know, yeah. years old. And then obviously Outsider's been used severely, heavily. The Outsider firewire across cross back and forth, no secret. I mean, that's almost in all the bloodlines that are out there winning right now but with that being said we haven't really bought a lot of embryos famous type of charlie cows but i know the 0641 cow was highly highly famous and there's i don't know how much progeny there is out of that cow but for us um our 501 donor was the very first cow i ever flushed which is the mother of all of our firewater progeny the two cows and the bull so for me she was a baldage fast track it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years i think we're maybe on a little bit of a reset on some of the bud lines we've had a genetic defect that surfaced that's been around since the 60s mostly in the uk i think and that's why you know mayfield's probably going to get marketed pretty heavy because he's free and there's a lot of free pedigree there's 80% of the Charlotte in the United States, the test is free and only 2% has been actually um, what they call affected. So there's some people out there that are talking a lot about it and they don't really know much about it. So (laughs) you got to, like everything, you got to be uh, careful on who you get schooled by. Get the facts. Yeah. And and it's a still learning curve because there's nobody. It just surfaced, you know, most recently to the public here this summer in United States. So definitely become more relevant, I think, in the next year to two years. And after that, it'll be just like every other thing.
1: I sure see a lot of Canadian Charlie X getting injected into the, the U.S. industry. So people are looking for that outcross. So there's a uh, uh, try-in Charlie's. They have the bull that sold for what was it, $200,000-some-thousand dollars. You're seeing programs in the U.S. that are starting to, Genetic influences influences from the Canadian, so I think uh, people are looking for that next afcross, I guess. And you know, the Canadian cattle have a lot to offer. They they're you know they're a lot of muscling and fast gaining type of cattle, uh, where ours may be a little cleaner up to that front end. A lot of a lot of things to offer, but you put the two genetic packages together, and it seems to be working pretty decent. And then if our association gets our EPDs in line with or vice versa with Canada, then that'll help matters out.
0: Uh, Where are your uh junior nationals this summer?
2: Minnesota.
1: Minnesota.
0: Oh, yeah, I can work on his really? accent.
2: This is my best impersonation, and the only person that laughed was my dad. So, anyways, um, I uh, the other day I was uh, I was walking through the alley and. I- <laughs> it really sound like he's from Canada
1: then. And Mitch told me that uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, is that right? Yep. You know, it's the beginning of July, and Mitch is trying to tell me it's only going to be 70 degrees. So we've learned otherwise that it's going to be... Uh, the near Mocking well, 100.
2: On the backside of that, Matt, Kerry does not do well in heat. He does not have the heat gene in him uh, like a Brahma cow. He, he sweats severely. This year at uh, Charlotte Junior Nationals, it, it was pretty hot. It was 95 with, I don't know. 80 to 90% humidity. is, We've seen a few pretty miserable days. You know, the facilities are so nice. It's it's pretty easy to keep everything cool there. But we go to tie out and it gets dead still, you know, right about uh, sundown. Well, oh, yeah. I take a bale of hay out to the, our calves we just tied out and I – catch Kerry standing on the edge of the walkway, staring into space like he, I don't know if he was going into a coma or heat stroke or what, but <laughs> I had to actually pull him on my bale wagon, my little four, four uh, wheel cart back to the barn. I think he was just going to lay down in the wood chips there and, and win away. I don't know.
1: There was a heat, heat. There was a heat stroke. Granted, yeah. you know, we we'd been drinking uh, beverages all day, but they didn't mention uh, in that type of environment to drink water here and there. So I think I might have uh, <laughs> overindulged on one particular mm-hmm. beverage and uh, <laughs> didn't cover my bases on the other end, but. Mitch was nice enough to uh, tote me back to the barn, oh, and uh, I yeah. think there might be pictures.
2: I'm not doing that in Minnesota because it is severely uphill from the tie-outs.
1: <laughs>
2: Last time we were in Minnesota, it was only about 75 for a high. No, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful uh, week. Uh, July week it will be July again. we will be that first week in um, July. I think July 2nd it starts. It will be a two-day for us to get there. core going to take, uh, uh, I
1: think, one or two more uh, junior nationals so you can do so she's gonna got a pretty good yearling and then she's taking a cow cap pair it sounds like a cow that she showed last year that did real well so hopefully have a little baby on her on her side at that point to start parading around so it's uh we're excited to do it and
0: tell me about uh Denver Stock Show through COVID and whatnot, has the Charleys embraced the new OKC show? I mean, I'm tried and true for most shows, but uh, if I had to pick one, I'm a Denver guy, I guess. What are what are you guys' thoughts?
2: You know, I went down to OKC when, when Denver was uh, on the COVID delay, and a lot of people spread a lot of rumors about it. But my wife's got relation there, and they're like, you know, when you're quarantining for 20 days or 14 days when one person and a crew get sick so that put them behind and then the fact that it was pretty contagious there um, at the time when Denver got canceled that year a lot of people got upset about it Charlay's went down to Oklahoma Um, huge turnout for the open show I think pretty good turnout for the junior show and then the pen show was well it wasn't that good <laughs> there was a turnout but it, it just was nothing close to denver uh previous to that we'd been to denver i think 3 years with pen bowls and i mean that was the time of our life we met so many people denver opened back up they said we're going back to denver with the pen show that'll be the ROE pen show oklahoma still Um, brought quite a few numbers but in the south there is quite a few charlays running around so it's a convenient show for them i think it's great i would never take pen cattle back there it just there's no there's no crowd it defeats the purpose of going through all the work denver was awesome it was awesome last year this year it was even better Um, i was blown away last year when we got there Um, our numbers were up from Last year, our numbers were up from the previous year at Denver, um, and that was when they were saying, you know, oh, it's going to be the last time you're going to be able to be in the old yards, which was accurate. So we had a little bit of upswing there. We had an upswing going into the new yards, and then this year it was tremendous again. The hill show still lagging, but I think all the hill shows are lagging. My prediction is you'll see quite a bit come back with the uh, new yards being great as they are. I mean, it – you know, you were there last uh, two years, and you've seen what it was like from last year to this year. It was just a huge increase. And, you know, last year we were well supported with the Charlotte. The sale was great there, there was a huge attendance. I think the Charlotte Breed as a whole likes Denver. Well, I did hear some people say, well, geez, I wish the Charlotte Breed would have, you know, rather supported Oklahoma because that's where we were going to go. But the guy also lived four hours from OKC and 10 from Denver, so. <laughs> You know, whatever convenience is convenient, but we had probably a couple hundred people through our pan on Friday. Um, We also did a little podcast promotion with some food and a giveaway, and Thursday was crazy for us. I mean, we had so many people on Thursday, and then, I mean, it just continued. My prediction is both open shows are going to be really strong. Denver's will gain steam. The yards were... From what Jennifer Boca said, they were at 120 percent capacity. I think the tieouts were definitely at 120. The pens were probably at 90. Um, so it's uh, she's like we build a brand new facility and it's already full. So I'm not sure what their thoughts are on because uh, it's not going to slow down. I mean, it's going to get no. larger and larger. They said they added on uh, spots for the bull uh, herd bull alley. It'll it'll be great, but uh, I don't know, Carrie. What do you think?
1: All right. I think you know Jennifer Boko' the one that said it uh you know the hill cattle will be in the new facility by in two years, so when that gets built, obviously it's a pretty good jaunt uh down in the uh, when you're in the yards up to the the hill once that is all in one area, it'll be a lot easier for producers, including myself to be able to do both, hill and uh, the yard cattle. I I think that thing's just going to grow. It it was tremendous. Uh, We've always done the, the hill, and this was the first year we did the yards, and the yards just having hot water for the wash rack, uh, having power at at your pin. Uh, the setup was phenomenal. The show ring, you know, it being warm and heated and having restrooms right there is very handy. Uh, no generators, so it's pretty quiet. You know, when, the, when you unload, they're very helpful. They bring tractors or trailers there uh, to do that, to help you unload to your pins. You know, I have never been to Oklahoma. Cora went to it last year and she loved it. It was one of her Favorites, but you know her feedback is, hey, this is pretty cool the way the yard is now. So I I think it's just going to continue to grow. Obviously, it you know it, it takes three years to build a business in that sense of any business, and this deal is going to take three years and it's going to keep on growing. In, in my personal opinion, I, I see them running out of room. Now the town of Denver really needs to figure their stuff out as far as uh, taking care of people and, and vehicles not getting ripped off. On, on another note, but that uh, has nothing to do
2: with really the Denver that was stock only show. Ford. That was only four. No Chevys (laughs) and Dodges got stolen in the process.
0: To me, Colorado and Denver feels like you're on vacation. I am very, very appreciative of what OKC has done for us, especially in the COVID year. I'm not speaking about myself. I'm just speaking about people that are coming to the shows. There's people from all over the country that get that flight into Denver, Colorado, and then you can go screw around in the yards and up on the hill for a day or two and then take your family up into the mountains. It just feels like a weekend vacation getaway. OKC Deal is going to continue to prosper, especially on the breeding cattle shows and whatnot. But I do think that in five or ten years, anybody that wants to display a bull probably is going to be in Denver because it just feels the atmosphere is just so much different with your bull standing in there and the Denver light, sun beating down on it with the Rocky Mountains in the background. It's going to get real, real good. And uh, we're not back there yet. Like, you almost get goosebumps walking through the the Displayable Alley pre-2020. Not all the way back yet, but there's sure a lot of atmosphere and uh, a lot of game day feel to it even now. I look forward yep. to the coming years and enjoy both shows. We'll probably keep going to both for sure, but uh, Denver is Denver, as they say.
1: You just brought up something. Maybe uh, we should have uh, Matt Lautner and uh, Charlie Chatter a uh, uh, game day on on the corner of one on Saturday or Friday and do a, <laughs> some live podcast
2: <laughs> No, it uh, when, when me and Carrie um, talked about getting paid and getting pens next to each other, you know, doing some podcasts there. I told him, I'm like, dude, I was like, first things first. If we've got a crowd and we've got people coming in the pens, I'm like, we are not doing a podcast. We've got to take care of the cattle. We're here to display cattle. But I'm like, if we get a chance to do one or two or do a part of one or something, let's do it. Damn near sundown. And everybody knows once the sun starts going down in the yards, I mean, you might crawl into a pen and have a couple of drinks or something, but it, it clears out a lot faster. So that's when we had to wait one single podcast. Otherwise, we were just swamped with people coming through comparatively to the last four to five times I've been at Denver, maybe even eight times as a spectator. I thought for the Charolais breed, it was the best traffic. For the Bull Alley, it wasn't quite asses and elbows like it used to be, but I'm sure it'll get more compact as years go. But uh, even Jennifer Boca said, the director, uh, livestock director there at the National Western, hey, we need all the shows we can get. Um, It's not about a competition. And I kind of felt like Oklahoma was kind of trying to push Denver out there for a little while. Maybe they grew up and figured out, hey we don't need to because we are getting a tremendous amount of cattle like you know we're overflowing and and i think that's the way it will be because that was kind of an empty gap of a spot that uh that could have used another show you know it's great for some of my texas oklahoma friends to not have to travel with cattle all the way to denver or or louisville or wherever they wanted to go and just have oklahoma right down the road well it's been a good
0: conversation boys uh Anything else we should review before we wrap this deal up?
2: When is MLC going to purchase another Charlet Bull? Because as we talked about those old genetics, Gunsmoke is still putting it out, Champion Composite Charlet at Denver. But we're going to have to follow up sometime here. <laughs> <laughs> so just Finally something, to, just something sure. to think about. <laughs> yeah. Just something to think about, and I would imagine your customers wouldn't mind it either. There's a very specific cow in western Iowa
0: owned by Ryan John from over by Avoca, Iowa. Who the man cow? And I know that uh, the summer junior national champion last summer in Nebraska was gunsmoke out of this Who the man cow, and then Kendall's uh, champion key in the open show and champion junior composite in Denver were we're all i go back to that specific mating so yeah it's time to get some uh outcross genetics but uh as you guys said 12 or 15 year old bloodline resource is back in it maybe old yeah. gun smoke to make a comeback
1: <laughs> he probably <laughs> I, never went away
0: maybe
1: i mean he's interesting red bull you know and there's a lot of good bulls out there right now pretty fun kind of going through them like okay what's that next piece right and if you can hit that next piece before everybody else does, that's that's when you really hit a home run. I, I think the Charlotte world right now is uh is exciting. Uh we got some good things coming. Um we got some energy.
0: Last historical question for you. Yep. I asked you about greatest bull, greatest female uh influences. I would personally go with O six four one and uh firewater for my two selections. Is there a John Sullivan type breeder in the Charlet deal from the last 30 or 40 years or who who do you think is the most influential <laughs> Charlet breeder over the course of your guys' career?
1: Oh wow. There's a lot of I would say unsung he- heroes out there for you on steals. If you look at the genetic packages through everybody's program, you'll you'll see them pop up. Along with that, you know there's breeders in in areas that are very influential. they eat in charlets I mean they're putting out you know I don't even know what they have two thousand head of redshirt her cows, and all their bulls get sold privately you know there's cow herds throughout montana uh Cobbs and well debruckers that are really really influential i mean obviously Thomas ranch has done phenomenal in the show world. you know they all go too I think if you're uh you can't you can't ignore that link Scottdale or ranch, I guess it's the LT ranch now, so uh, we we did have Bryce Linscuff on one of our podcasts and he explained all the changes they have in their program since Brett Thiel has retired. But you know, there there's something always there that you want to look at. In
2: in my opinion, in the show world that's hands down has been the Thomas Ranch. I mean they've you know, the firewater, the Turton, the you know, they they got Kind of along with Boyer, it's made outsider kind of what he is, I guess, and showed people, you know, what to do with that type of deal in the commercial production standpoint. I mean, it's hands down LT Ranch, uh, or actually Lelensko LT Ranch now, just basically because I mean, they are their bull sale is. Averages two thousand more than I think the next bull sale to them. Now money's not everything, obviously. The last time I'd been to their bull sale, we walked through 140 Charlotte bulls, and it was there was not one that was like, oh God, why is that bull on the sale? They're all tremendous. Sale average, excellent that year. We ended up even picking up a couple of the lower price. Bulls and uh, done well for a long time. I would say for overall influential would be the Linsco LT Ranch. Kudos to Brent Thiel for kind of getting them to where they are. And then uh, the Linsco Brothers for uh, kind of shifting gears now here and, and keeping that thing thing running. Uh, yep. With that being said, there's 30 other ranches across the nation that are pushing them hard <laughs> you know um, oh yeah they just don't they just don't have the the magnitude of operation that they have you know the linscoes are uh they're running uh they said like i had a thousand Charley cows and eight thousand uh commercial cows the magnitude there is just huge if you talk to them guys or you know anybody that's been up there to see their operation i mean they just they're mover and shakers i mean they they get her done. So, Iowa breeders, Iowa's Jenna Tlock is kind of my uh, go to for the show world. Their family's pushing the envelope a little, I think. She had several heifers in there, had the uh, champion heifer, I believe, in the junior show at Denver. I said Rotor, somebody said Raider from uh, Eastern Iowa. Illinois, yeah. So, so for Iowa families, Jenna Talk, she's on the National Junior Charlet board with my son Devin. And my son Devin's actually the president this year, so he's enjoyed getting a few more of those type of people on. She's been uh, she's been good helping out at all the stuff and and putting her putting her two cents in. So it's kinda neat to see a young breeder like that. Um also want to be on a national junior board so
0: well i appreciate your time boys my last question would be this i'm going to put you on the spot if you had to pick a favorite all-time episode of mlc the big show podcast which guest would it be
1: you know Talk i'll answer that know. one because i just i just listened to it but steer about jr well first off uh being a dallas cowboys fan and then i used to watch the tv show dallas so jr ewing was a hero but the whole that whole episode uh was pretty interesting and then the pictures that you posted here re- recently kind of kind of does a throwback of, of what we're talking about you know bigger lankier framed cattle that uh people think the charley breed is and it isn't that way anymore so things have changed even since that steer that uh dominated you know the whole US so i, I that episode was very good mr steerwalt um, had the opportunity to meet him several times, and he's actually been to our ranch here in Washington. So super guy, great attitude on life for the for the cattle breed in in all aspects.
0: Kirk Sherwell's probably the one guy that could compete with me in terms of number of states and provinces visited <laughs> during a career. He's <laughs> oh yeah, been everywhere. Yeah.
1: He was out here probably three probably three or four years ago, I believe. He did a clinic in Ellensburg, and uh, then we had him out for dinner, and went through the cows and you know, just got to go, on, get to know him on a personal level. And for somebody that's traveling like that, when your brain gets traveling, you're just, you're, you're, you're moving fast. He, he takes time, especially with young kids. If they've got a question, he will sit there and listen to them and he will take the time, which is uh, very respectful in my opinion.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. That, that was a, that was a awesome episode. For me, honorable mention would be probably John Griswold because he is, so positive. I think he, maybe he gets that from his wife. <laughs> they're just positive people. and You can see why they're so damn successful. I mean, if you're not positive about what you're doing, you get down on yourself. You, you ain't going to make stuff happen. I mean, if you're out pouting in the corner and you need to do whatever, it just ain't going to happen. Um, but just super positive. I just like the way he talked about where he came from and, and how they, they built everything. That was pretty neat. The last one with SEK Genetics, Coover. Yep. Coover. Uh, that was awesome. I was like, "Holy cow!" You know, he's talking about cloning, like it's like making pizza. You know, <laughs> he's like, well, i he was he was like, "I'm getting these I'm getting these eggs shipped to me, and I can you know do that." and you, know, you guys were talking about you know how the price of cloning cattle hadn't gone up that much, and and he's just like talking about it, like, you know, it's no big deal. You know, I'm, I'm out here. Yeah. So
0: that was, that was super cool. Definitely was one of the guests that made me feel like I was highly uneducated, Mr. Don Cooper. He, <laughs> he oh was, uh, my God, in yeah. Terms that came right over the top of me, but he did a real good job of explaining it and I'd, I'd love to have him back on because the guy can learn an awful lot from him for sure.
2: And he acted like he was uneducated at some times. I'm like, holy crap. You know, it was just fun to listen to him. I I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool, and he he made it sound like anybody could go out in their barn and, and clone. I mean, just the way he was talking about it. But uh, yeah.
1: well, I, I thank God that uh, you didn't get cloned, Mitch. You know, the world is much better that there's only one of you. So thank. Hey, you know, don't don't even think not, at this stage in life that they're gonna clone you. It's right not now.
2: over. It's not over with Cliff. No, it's not over. no,
1: there there cannot be no more Mitch, uh, aka Beaners, in the world. Where we are not going there. No, so, that is thank awesome. Thank you guys
0: for joining me and taking a quick. Thank you for having through us. Your, uh, through your through your Charlet chatter, uh, iTunes feed right now, there's 26 episodes that everybody can log on to and listen to. You guys are clocking in at 4.8 out of five stars. Nobody nobody dislikes your episodes. You're doing a good job, right? On, so, and uh,
1: we're not doing our job properly. Gone. Then we need to get some. We need to get some negative chatter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tell me that one time. So uh, appreciate uh, the uh, time and uh, look forward yep. to uh, seeing you guys down the road. Good luck at that hot junior nationals. Find a cool spot and, uh, yes, sir. and have some. Yes, sir. Have a water every third beer, okay?
1: Uh, I've learned that now. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> <Have> <laughs> thank you thank for having it. us. I really appreciate it. You
0: bet. Cheers. Thank you. Have a good
2: thank one. Thank you. Bye.